0: Hey guys and welcome back to What Do You Make, a podcast where I ask people what they make and then I make their picture because that's what I make. I'm a photographer. My name is Morgan Roberts and today another legacy episode with Claire Tonti. I recorded this in 2017 in Melbourne um, after I was down there to shoot a wedding and it was such a good chat. Um, Claire is still doing all the things that she was doing. Back then, um, running a podcast network with her husband and, and producing wonderful content, and you know, being a parent and doing all the stuff. So, this is a really great chat. It's uh, quite broad, and uh, I think anyone can find something interesting in this. So, give it a listen. You can follow Claire, I'll put her podcast and Instagram deets in the show notes. She is a very warm and generous person. And yeah, I had such a good time doing this chat, and it's such a nice. Uh, opportunity to re-listen and delve back into the archives to bring you guys this old ep. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, see you on the internet. Hey guys, it's Morgs. Welcome to What Do You Make? A podcast where I ask people what they make and then I make their picture because that's what I make. And today I'm joined by Claire Tonti. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm really good. That is good to hear. It's a
0: wonderful day. Not too hot, not like, not like yesterday.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> you were traipsing around, you were telling us, in like the heat of Melbourne in the Yarra Valley. It was like 40 degrees, which is very rare for Melbourne. But you should be used to the heat. You're yeah. from Brisbane. Yeah,
0: but it's, it's still different. Uh, I, think I think I come think- down here and I go, oh, it's nice. I'll have a cool change. No. No, <laughs>
1: not at this point. No, and this room particularly yeah, has not totally. a lot of air in it and it's quite hot, so we're going to get a little bit hot and gross, but we'll be all right.
0: Claire, what do you make?
1: What do I make? I, oh gosh, Um, other than kids, I've made one kid so far. (laughs) No, I also, yeah, (laughs) I make a podcast called Just Make The Thing, um, which is kind of similar to yours in a way. It's people like me who want to start a thing and keep on making it and find it hard. So we talk to creatives and I also just have a chat with my friend Chanel, uh, who's a yoga teacher and a lawyer. So we just talk through life really and how to keep on making things when you work for yourself um mm. getting over your own neurosis i guess
0: i i know that the the podcast kind of started out of those conversations in a way mm. um but then you know went a bit broader and you started finding some other people to talk to like i re- like i really the the most recent episode with um uh fergal Quigley was just so great like it was such a great conversation to listen to and i really thought his, I mean, you know, I'll put this in the show notes, but it's a great podcast to listen to. Um, but I was really fascinated with how his, how he talked about, um, that idea of not just compulsively having to do stuff and make yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I found that so fascinating too. He's got like an itch that he has to yeah. scratch and if, um, he doesn't, then he'd be miserable. Like it's a part of who he is and it doesn't really matter, um, whether or not anyone even sees it. It sort of sits in his shed sometimes, um, those bass (laughs) guitars that he makes are just just (laughs) relics. Um, He lives in this tiny town in Ireland. So, yeah, I I found that fascinating. It's interesting because my husband, James, who makes The Weekly Planet and Mr. Sunday Movies is the same. He's got this sort of like urge to make stuff. And when he wasn't making stuff, he was like just a miserable, miserable guy. And he's so different now because – He's just continually making it. Do you have that? Do you have
0: that? Yeah, yeah, I have that. And I was just thinking that made me remember going through, um, going through Lightroom catalogs. of Lightroom is the software I use, but I have like a catalog every year, or I, I do for personal work, and just going through. Um, that's a, which is a trend I started a couple of years ago, and before that, I had one that was every year. So I just had everything in this one thing, and so I was really able to see. Um, like, where are you going with this, Morgs? <laughs> no, <keep laughs> it was going. so easy to see and look through the years and look at the amount of images I'd taken. And back then it was all for me. Like it was basically no work. Like I wasn't making an income and being paid to, to do this. Um, but like it was so fascinating to, to go, oh, what was I doing in those years where I was doing fuck all yeah. pictures, you know, or, or at least much, at least a lot less. And it was fascinating to see that, change in oh yeah that was when i was working full time at apple or this or whatever it was and it's just like huh, yeah, yeah. and you just think about was i was i really satisfied with 100% with with life yeah and being a creative person was i fulfilling myself was i feeling fulfilled
1: do you think that your creative energy was going into other things like nah. do you think that at a certain point your work in those fields meant that you just had no time yeah. or no energy left?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, well, it was going into people. Mm. It was going into people who wanted my time at my job. Yeah. And I come home and I almost didn't even have time for, you know, my girlfriend and <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> w- yeah. now wife, you know, and that was, um, that was, you know, in retrospect, you're like, Oh, that was hard. That wasn't great. That wasn't healthy.
1: No, it well no because you need to have that balance, yeah. don't you? And there's something a little part of you that kind of dies inside. I think yeah. if you don't have something that's creative just for you, that's expressing it in your way. I, I found I love teaching for that reason that it was so creative and you're constantly on the go. But I also found that when I really got into the swing of teaching, I just didn't have any energy left mm. when I got home to to do something outside of it. Mm. Um, because you were just constantly trying to make things up on the spot and thinking about all the different <laughs> things with the kids and totally, yeah, you know, and like life was sort of in a classroom is a minute by minute mean, proposition. No matter how planned you think you're going to be, and it's wonderful and kids are awesome, but you just expend all that energy. Like before I started teaching, I was writing music and I had a little band and I used to I tried to keep gigging while I when I started my teaching full-time and I just couldn't keep it going. So I really admire people like my friend Chanel who does both, who um, is a lawyer with the Department of Justice but then also started this yoga teaching and has kind of committed to it and keeps it going. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I struggle with that, with finding a balance to have that part of your your creativity that's just for you to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Tell tell us about the band. Like I had because no, I had I had no idea. I don't know if you've mentioned on the podcast, oh, but I haven't listened to every single. I probably episode. haven't.
1: No, I probably haven't mentioned it. Um. Oh God, I I did mention in the first episode of the show that I've just done a thousand things. I am so good at starting things and just never continuing them. I get really excited in the first like month, and then they will just like fall by the wayside. So um. <laughs> <laughs> so the. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I like, I've been in musical theater and I used to do, um, yeah, musicals. I used to play flute in a jazz band. I decided I was going to be an organic gardener. Like I just did all these things. So the band was, um, oh, I don't even want to say the name. This is a terrible, <laughs> terrible name. So it was me. And I just put an ad on Gumtree for a, a guitarist. Cause I have a guitar, but. Typical me decided I'd learn guitar and just haven't really got there. So I can play a few chords, but I'd written a whole lot of music just with chords and I needed someone who could actually play to play them. And so I just put an ad out and I met this guy, Lee, who's lovely. And so we just started kind of playing covers and some of my original stuff. Um, And then we just started doing gigs, little gigs at pubs. And um, I started at an open mic night first and then kind of, did that for a while and we kind of built it up. Um, recorded some things and put them on Triple Down Earth and did all of that, had a MySpace back when there was MySpace and no Facebook. Wow. <laughs> so they're showing my age. Um and then, I don't know what happened.
0: Who was in your top ten? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> On my yeah. Oh, God. Uh, don't have to answer
0: that. No, I know. I'm too embarrassed, That was just actually. hack so, me trying to put in a nice little pop culture reference from yeah. ten years ago. Yeah, God. Like, Sarah Blasco would have been up yeah. there, for yes. sure.
1: For sure. I love that woman so much. Um, And Claire Brodich, who I still love. She's incredible. If you're a creative person and... Need some help. She's awesome to listen to any Mm. of her stuff. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it just kind of typical in typical me style, just kind of, um, fizzled out. We kind of, it was a lot of work, I think getting kind of booking all the gigs and doing it all. And then we had one kind of bad gig. It was only one bad gig. We'd had all these great ones before that, but it just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of gave, gave it up yeah it's funny, and then we went traveling and oh, and I'd also started teaching. That was really what happened after that i <laughs> I just didn't have the energy after full time work
0: well i'm I'm not you know I've never been a teacher, but I know plenty of them, and I even you know from from that distance can see how much work and energy it uses up.
1: Oh, yeah, every bit of you. It really does. And it wasn't until I stopped that I realised. Because I'd even, I do music with my kids and I used to do at school, I'd write shows with the kids and we did, we put on some productions and I loved that the school concerts and the Mm. seeing kids who wouldn't shine or couldn't really find their place in sport or in academia or often didn't even went that kind of great at making friends. Mm. But um, having their parents and other kids see them in that theatre. Kind of world or in the music world mm. and just seeing them light up. I just, that was one of the things I loved about teaching the most. And so many stories of kids, like there was one kid who played a lead role who I think might've been on the spectrum and just, just really kind of struggled but then he just owned that role and he blew away everybody and he just became known for like people used to just call him by Picasso. That was his, he was the Picasso character. And it was just gorgeous because <laughs> he found his like niche. I know it was such a weird flavor. it was fun. So um, that was where a lot of my music kind of creative energy went into, but I still wasn't, I don't think when you're giving it out with Lee like that in that way, it was awesome, but there's still a part of you that has that frustration that, yeah. You're not creating something yeah. just in the way that you would want to create it, I guess.
0: Because I mean, just on that though, like I I'm such a I'm such a believer that this the, the system in which we have, you know, your core subjects and then the other stuff. And it's just like, well, why you know, why why do you do maths at school? Well you're not gonna grow up to be a mathematician. But it's or why do you do English at school? It's not gonna be become an academic in English or something or scientist or whatever. But we seem to forget that concept of, no, we're building core skills. Yeah. Instead of saying when you're doing, you know, even sport or something, like it's good to do sport. It's important. It builds all these things up, music, drama, art. Instead of saying, oh, well, those are electives. So the kids do that that are good at it.
1: Then they don't do it. Yeah. Otherwise
0: don't because they're not going to grow up to be a, it's like, guys, it's about
1: Not the point. Being, no. It's about being the whole whole person. I I read a quote the other day that was so beautiful about the arts and poetry and creativity for kids, and um, that a child who grows up without that, without being exposed to books and pictures and you know poetry and music, um, just can really suffer in later life. I think, and it, I really, there's a part of our sort of makeup as human beings that we need that we need that kind of um ability to reflect on ourselves and our world and and see it in there's something un, intangible about it you know that kind of reaching for more than what we just see and i think that often um yeah it can be kind of undervalued exactly uh, to me um, no matter whether our little guy is good at music or not, he's learning an instrument because I learned an instrument and there was so much discipline and things that I learned through having that. And I, and, um, I think that, yeah, it's just as important as learning to read as learning math skills, you know, all of, and especially as we go into this age where computers are taking over more and more of our, jobs what makes us unique as human beings is the the fact that we can create
0: mm. you know it's like every week i see one of those you know articles about you know the you know all the all the jobs that our kids are graduating from right now are going to be gone in x years yeah. or so or so much harder or so much more automated or whatever flip on that theme you want to do like that's it, it every every week you know is a you know Hyperbole, but it's so frequently, yeah. And in a way, you kind of just go, "Why can't why aren't we changing it?" And there are people that are changing it, but the pace of change is so slow.
1: Oh, it is. It, it's government and system. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, I could just talk about this. Yeah, forever, why don't we? That's okay. I, I, yeah, honestly, don't get me talking about schools because I just <laughs> will end up in a rabbit hole and we'll be here for three hours. But. In in short, I I just think that because of the way that schools are run, um, particularly in Australia, there's there's just so much pressure on teachers now to hit those benchmarks, hit that Mm. data, get those scores. You'll see now that your little guy's starting prep, um, which is the first year of school, just there's a lot of pressure for them to hit these kind of milestones with um, like a number for reading, a number for maths percentages and then they go to the government and then that kind of is not healthy for kids at that age their brains are designed to to play and absorb the world that way and they need to learn how to build social relationships and build their language before we put pressure on them in mm. academic in academic kind of ways. And you can see that in Finland and Norway in those kind of countries where they're getting amazing educational results. They don't start their kids doing formal education until they're seven. Mm. They let them play and explore the world and experiment and throw paint at things and get dirty and muddy and learn to, you know, cooperate. And I think that's, Far more important. I always used to say to parents of um, prep kids that they'll get there eventually. What you want to teach them, particularly for school readiness, is how to be a nice human, Mm. you know, how to share, how to listen to your friends and your teacher. That is far more important than whether or not they come knowing all their numbers and all their letters. And, you know, because that comes, it's, yeah. Anyway, I could keep going on for Mm. this, but I do, I think it's really really important. And we do kids a disservice. I think you can see a lot of young people with high rates of anxiety and depression in, and quite alarming rates in Australia. And I think part of it is to do with that, um, results based. Yeah. 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 And the lack of time when they're young, being able to explore their creativity and, um, play and trial and error and get things wrong and fall off the monkey bars and scratch Mm. their knee and, know that they can pick themselves up. I think sometimes as parents now, and I'm a parent, I I can feel myself doing it. Um, We jump in too early um, and we just want to solve everything and make everything fine for them. Whereas kids learn um, to create and to be resilient by trial and error and mistakes, you know, mistakes are, that's where the juice is. That's where you learn (laughs) the best.
0: this This is a Sunday, um, Thursday night I went to a uh, um a childhood anxiety and resilience seminar really yeah yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. literally uh just the, like notes in there coming out and me going like you know one of the big things was um help just enough and just enough in inverted commas this is an audio only medium i did air- air quotes, <laughs> and I'm, oh, what the f- I'm doing air quotes for guys um <laughs> this is a podcast well done, but yeah that it, just enough it's it's not don't just fix, you have to be there for them, but you can't, you you can't just solve it all. Otherwise they will never figure it out. It sounds so simple and so obvious, but the amount that we forget to do that is huge. Yeah,
1: It's huge because you don't want them to be upset. That's Mm. the hard part. You don't want them to, you know, when they're crying, you want to give them a big cuddle and, and not, don't do that. But there's a point where kids need to have that kind of inbuilt understanding that they've got this, Mm. you know, that I used to say to my um, preps all the time that we solve our own problems in prep. And so when they'd come to me with a problem, I'd go, oh, great. How are you going to solve it? <laughs> and they'd look at me at the beginning of the year, just like, who is this woman? And what do you mean? She's so mean. She's so mean. <laughs> what do you mean? How?" And I'd be like, I'm so sorry that's happened to you. Oh, how are you going to solve it? And then sometimes I'd give them a little bit, like if they're really struggling or you know, and sometimes it's a lost jumper in the end. You just have to find they're like $80. They're expensive, but you know, and the joy when when you give kids the space to, to figure it out when they actually do. And the fear is as an adult that they won't, and then they'll get upset because they, they have this problem. They haven't been able to solve, but nine times out of 10, they'll solve it or they'll forget about it. Mm. But the joy that they find in solving it for themselves, that's so important because then, as an adult even the satisfaction that you get from being able to do that for yourself you know pick yourself up and and keep on going that's that's what life is right mm. you're just constantly getting knocked down and having to figure it out for yourself so i think that's where genuine self-esteem comes into because often I think kids are given all these like stickers and like well done you and oh you've drawn a picture you're the best. Mm. But that's not building self-esteem. Real self-esteem is I tried really hard at something, I failed at it, I tried again, I failed again, I tried again, and I did it for myself. How awesome am I? Mm. You know, um, and that's it's hard. That's a hard thing as a parent to to,
0: to see happening. To see
1: happening, and also to do it's really hard yeah. to do and I'm a parent now because I used to scout all this to par- prep, te- prep parents mm. and be like oh, I parent just-
0: teacher interview time yeah, yeah right well here's all my good advice that I'm not following <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> now I'm a parent I'm like God, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just so much like pressuring you, and I had no idea. Uh, oh, just if they're clean and they come to school with a lunchbox, you're winning.
0: Uh, you, you got there. I, I just like. I mean, this is this is you know some some time down the track, but yeah. I would love I would love for you to text me at your first parent teacher interview <laughs> when you're sitting on the other side of that table. Yeah, it would be so fascinating. Definitely, that would just be. I mean, there would be hours of like that, you could write a thesis on that.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And also I think, cause I, some of the parents of the kids I taught were teachers and the approach, some of the, some of them were so intense, like mm. grill you and like want to know all the outcomes and they can speak the teacher lingo. So they're asking all these like hardcore questions about the data. And then there were other awesome parents who were just teachers and got it and were like, As long as they're, just tell me they're making friends. Tell me they've got some friends. Tell me they're polite in class and that's fine, you know? Mm. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. I'm trying to figure out what kind of parent I'll be. (laughs) It's really hard not to be judgmental or, I don't know, we'll see.
0: I was having a conversation this morning um, with my cousin about small business and learning and... How it's so easy, and, and because, and I'm equating this, and this is the same. It's the same thing we were talking about. Okay, how much does this cost, and how much does this cost, and figuring out what it actually costs, and what you actually have to sell your product for, or your service for, to to do it sustainably. And it's it's not it's for no fear. It's for it's for no lack of reading and listening and watching people explain to me great ways to do this myself. I've been doing it for the last five years. You know, checking out all this information and going to workshops and going to etc. etc. But it, 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 that, that, that pales in comparison to doing what I've been doing now for nearly a year, which is far more interstate weddings and work than I did in the previous four or five years. Mm. In this length of time, and actually going, "Huh, oh, okay, this is actually how much it costs. This is yeah. actually how yeah. much it costs f- financially, emotionally, physically, and over X period of time figuring that out and going, "Yeah, okay, adjust, adjust, constantly adjusting, constantly fixing and understanding this whole process a lot more there's There's nothing like doing it for real, yeah and failing. Mm.
1: <laughs> completely. Do you mean that in terms of, so beforehand, you kind of just set like a hypothetical price of what it would cost and then once you do it, you kind of realise that it's a lot more work than you anticipate? Or? Yeah,
0: or just or just saying, oh, that'll work itself out or I can do this and then just, yeah. I mean, in a very specific sense, just in terms of looking looking at how, you know, just on paper, how how much more an interstate wedding costs me. Um, yeah. and then just other things, you know, like, I hang on, what does that cost in time of the way of the family? What does that cost in, uh, you know, my emotional well being? And I'm certainly not saying right now that I'm a wreck and I'm just broken. <laughs> it's like, Oh, no, it's so bad. Me. <laughs> it's like, no, but, but just it's, it's never any, it's ne- there's never one crisis point. Yeah. I, I think I'm doing it. Okay. Cause I haven't had this burnout. But it's just like, okay, cool. That's something to change. That's something to fix. That's something to do better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're constantly learning when you work for yourself. Definitely. And especially, I don't know about you, but for us, we've started um, Planet Broadcasting, which is a podcast network. Um, And before that, I was just doing the business side of things just for my husband's podcast and YouTube channel. So I could manage all of that because it was – just sponsorship for his show and his podcast. And effectively, I, I think I'm their manager as well. <laughs> I learnt that the other day because none of this media business is anything I've ever done before. So I'm just <laughs> making it up as so I go along. Someone said to me the other day, I think you're also a producer, Claire. And I said, am I? What is that? I don't know. I'm just doing this, this and this and this. So it's... um.
0: I literally looked up the other day, uh, yesterday film producer on Wikipedia because I know roughly what, like I've been watching some TV where you know, I've been watching yes. that show Unreal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's depressing. It's so depressing. Oh, it's heartbreaking, yeah. 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 I, um, uh, and and I was like, okay, I, I know what a producer does, but I'm interested, like I was interested to see what the official definition of this thing was. And I was just like, huh, because it's just something that you hear.
1: Yeah, all the time. In this
0: media world World, it's like you know you know produced by bar um the team that brought you you know (laughs) yeah from the men that brought you blah 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 blah, blah, you know yeah
1: exactly (laughs) but you're like what is that what is producing and
0: the answer is literally everything
1: yeah
0: (laughs) right i thought a director directs the actors producer directs everyone else yeah i thought that was that was something uh, i guess that's i guess that's what they do Yeah, (laughs) because
1: they have to kind of wrangle everybody all together. So something I didn't realize that that was kind of something I had done, but it's in bits, not completely, but in bits, you sort of wrangling the money side of things with the kind of creative side of things with the people who are going to be in it or the, you know, logistics getting, where do people stay? Where do they sleep? How do they eat? Where, what time does everyone need to be in the one place? And yeah i yeah it's really interesting that and then also often the producer is someone who even scouts talent or sees a script that they love or something, and then they're the ones that are kind of the driving force behind it getting made. so what I'm loving now is seeing someone like Reese Witherspoon who is producing and acting and doing all of it together. Someone said to me um when I just had started started planet broadcasting. No one in Australia had really heard of us and heard of what we were doing because our audience is mainly in the U.S. and the U.K.
0: When I found that out, I was so surprised. Really? Keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like I, I listen to Weekly Planet and I, it's, I'm drawn to – I, I, mean, I sent you an email when I said, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Like I listened to all this Australian content and just went, "Ha, oh, that's so amazing, that (laughs) all these people, actually so many people from overseas want to listen to this, you know, two nerdy boys in Australia talking about, you know, (laughs) movies and and TV shows and the Hulk and
1: (laughs) Batman. I know. It's really, it really surprised us too. I mean, because all of this in the end is, you know, we're making it up as we go along and Mm. hoping for the best and seeing what comes of it. And everything's bonus at the moment. We're so lucky. It's been so fun I mean, hard work uh, and that fun to kind of see this evolve. Um, but, yeah, it, it was really interesting that it, when we started Planet Broadcasting and we launched it, we couldn't get any media to our event. No one really – no one was interested in coming. We had all these fans. We sold it out, but no one was kind of interested in what we were doing. But then slowly over time sort of people have popped out of the woodwork and um, started to be interested in what we do. And it's just really fascinating when you've made something that is literally just you and your husband and your in your mate in your house. No one else comments on it, and it's just fans. And so you can be whatever you like it to be. But once other people start talking about it and giving you advice and telling you what it is or giving you feedback or people who've been in the industry a long time, for me anyway, I've found it like even the from the from being given a label like, oh, you're a producer or Mm -hmm. you're you're the CEO of this company now or you're this or you're that. It kind of gets me all a bit muddied or muddled as to where we're at. And and I also don't like having to fit into boxes. And I think that's why I was talking about Reese Witherspoon producing and being in things and doing things because someone gave me some advice early on that said, if you want to be a producer, you can't be in anything that you create. It has to be you just have to be just behind the scenes. And when they said that to me, I took it to heart initially and thought, okay, yeah, so my role is behind oh, the scenes. And you
0: instantly put yourself in a box. Right. And totally, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And it wasn't until James said to me, my husband, that no, your whole life, Claire, you've done performing and creating and writing and you love that and you're miserable because you have Watching zero accounting software videos, <laughs> and you know, negotiating and talking to comedians, and and I love all of that side too. Um, and invoice writing, invoices, and all, and negotiating for brands, and you know, working on campaigns and things. But I'm fascinated in creativity and what makes people tick, and human beings, and and kids are just small versions of human beings, you know, all of that, and so. To not have something that was my own, yeah, was making me miserable. So that's, that's where Just Make the Thing came from mm. because I just thought I have to do something. And so I've tried to put that person's voice who said you can't produce and do behind the scenes and also be in stuff kind of on the back burner. And now this year with all these amazing women coming out kind of creating content and, and more women's voices and more women's stories from from female perspectives coming out it feels like a really fun time to try to be doing it all and in the mix mm. yeah i don't know where i was going with that no anyway. that
0: that's it 20 minutes ago i was like yeah i want to i want to I ask her about the network and 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 that was just the best. It was just like you know, this is. I'm sorry, I'm doing behind the curtain now. So, ah, oh, fuck Morgan. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. No, I do that. Too. Well, that's, you've listened to my shows. That's how I do it. I don't. I write.
1: I write questions, and then I never look at them yeah. ever because everyone surprises you and takes you in different directions. And you know, people get people tell their. That's why I'm finding it strange being on this side. But um, people end up telling you the stories they want to tell you mm. I think too and and also you end up in different surprising kind of places and that's how, that's where I've found we're at with Planet Broadcasting at the moment I think we're in the process of still trying to figure out exactly what it's going to be and yeah.
0: How long ago did how, do, how long ago did you start it?
1: A year ago, like in the in a week, yes. Yeah, so it's been justy just on a year. We we had I had the idea in November. So James, to give you a little bit of history for anyone hasn't <clears throat> listened to the Weekly Planet. Um, so James started his YouTube channel, Mr Sunday Movies, maybe six years ago. Um, and then and that had a whole lot of iterations and kind of failed and then got cancelled and he ended up picking. I mean, he nearly stopped doing it but then kept going. So that's a whole nother story. But the, um, <laughs> yeah. actually, I was about to t- ask
0: a question about that. And then I was like, no, no, shut up. Just yeah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> got, I've
1: got an episode actually where I talked to James all about that seen on my that. show. It's on my to
0: listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was go. like, that, that's yeah. interesting that's because every time I say, hey, Emma, we should do a, my wife, um, yeah. let's do a podcast about something. And she just goes, oh,
1: yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I don't know. I
0: don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and, uh, you know, a few months ago, uh, some one, one time I was listening to, um, you know, one of steel's podcasts and it was like, oh, um, and he said something like, oh yeah, uh, we should do a podcast, you know, to his wife. And yeah. she said, yeah, but n- then we'd never be able to talk because it, we'd have to save everything for the podcast.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was true. like, oh
0: yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, and we haven't ever. We have, we're not going to release it, but we've sort of started a little podcast for. Ha- um, we don't normally say my son's name, so yeah. for our son, yeah, um, yeah, we just kind of talking about where we're at and and him, and that's been kind of fun. But yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of hard when you work together as well, like we do in our company had the idea of having a regu- regular weekly podcast would be fun. on. Yeah, but one totally. episode was really fun. It was <laughs> nice. It was nice to sit down and actually be able to ask him a lot of questions. And when you know someone so well, you can see why. Because I'm fascinated by interviews. I love um, just watching people being, to you I still love Parkinson, I love that show. And I love um, Andrew Denton too. <sighs> I love how he interviews as well as an Australian guy. Um, I always remember going, yeah, you know,
0: like, people saying, yeah, I love, I love Parkinson. And then, and then just me going, yeah, I, I, I just enjoyed watching Andrew Denton so much better. <laughs> like <laughs> that little, that little yeah, uh, like Australians did it better.
1: <laughs> yeah. oh, I think it's,
0: it's, it's two completely different it it's two sides of the same coin. Really. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I just am fascinated by how, um, different interviewers kind of Yeah, the way that they reacted their guests. I just love listening to people and how people talk and their backstories. So, um, But it it was really good to interview someone like my husband because, you know, a really good interviewer like a Richard Feidler would research someone so in-depth so that they know them really well and then kind of because they know all these facts about them kind of go down this rabbit hole with them. It's so watching like something crafted like that. And so interviewing your husband, because I just know him so well, um, was really, really fun. Um, not that I'd have to be married to anyone I interviewed. That. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wouldn't work. But anyway, um, that was a fun, um, yeah. It was about, why do we bring that? Oh, yeah, because we were talking about um, Planet Broadcasting and things. Yeah. So James's YouTube channel started, and then he started The Weekly Planet from that. And so that's about five years old, The Weekly Planet. Um, and so I just noticed that there weren't any Australian kind of podcasts that had advertising on them. Uh, there were a lot in America, but not here. And we'd had some kind of offers from kind of alcohol brands and cigarette companies and things that we just made a decision early on. We didn't want to be involved in. Um, and we also, and just kind of like our online gambling stuff or, or apps that we thought were a bit useless and. So we made a decision early on, even then we weren't making really any money that we um, would only advertise with companies that we sort of thought were great or would be of interest to the listenership and um, making good stuff or putting um, good ideas out there. So um, I, that's sort of, I kind of started to help out because the guys, um, Mason and James are awesome with their show so clever and great, but I mean, James just didn't have time and Mesa drives a tram and just doesn't, he's not really interested in doing all the business side of things. So I kind of sort of stepped into that role. Um, But yeah, November last year, I kind of had the idea that, well, if I can do it for our show. um,
0: November 2016.
1: Yeah. 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 Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Was it two what? Two years ago. November last year. Yeah, is that not two years ago? It is two years ago. Well it's Yeah.
0: It's eighteen months ago ish. Oh my gosh, yeah, it yeah. is
1: you're so right. Yeah. Oh, where is time going? So that was <laughs> yeah, not last year, the year before twenty sixteen. Um yeah. So in November, yeah, a I just mind had an explosion idea. there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> God, I know I'm going to be 33 this year. That oh, freaks me out too. It's,
0: it's like my genius. year. <laughs> it's so fine.
1: Yeah, I hope so. No, it is actually. I have not that I know. No, I'm so I'm
0: cool. 30. I'm, I'll be 31 this year.
1: Oh, what but, are you talking about? But
0: it's fine. Like, oh, it, <laughs> you know, it's because it, literally I was having a conversation with my cousin this morning, and she said the same thing, and I was like, guys, it's going yes. to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's 33. Yeah, it's only two years older than me. I'm not I, that old.
1: No, well, I because I I guess I had this conversation with Chanel actually because mm. I turned thirty and I was pregnant and sort of um, it was just a funny year. But I I never kind of had that like oh god I'm leaving my twenties existential mm. crisis. Um, and I really enjoyed getting on because I hated high school, so I really enjoyed getting older and having more autonomy and having more choices. And Mm. because I'm someone that loves to start things, it's nice to be an adult. So you can just start things and then go into other things. And I don't know, I've really enjoyed it. But um, Chanel and I were sort of saying, I think part of hitting your thirties is this sort of realisation that your life might not look the way that you thought it would look and some people have a really big gap between where they thought they'd be and where they are and some people's gap is smaller or they're in an even better place than they thought they would be and i think that's sometimes where the freak out about getting older is for people mm. yeah But also some people have this idea that the older that you get the less um like the less things you can do the mm. less new starts so you can dumb. make but you know do you come across that
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand where that could come from. Mm. And I understand that in my, like, I, I, I'm i saying this from a position of privilege as a, you know, person who, you know, flies up and down the East Coast, you taking know, taking pictures. Yeah. But it's just like, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, it's certainly not set in stone. It's certainly not something that is like, Oh, instantly becoming less. I think it. You know, it certainly can become more challenging and certainly a bit more complex, mm,
1: especially with kids. With kids, hundred yeah. um,
0: percent. But I'm not sure. It's yeah. Look, I understand where the the trope comes from, mm. but I think it's certainly it's it's a dangerous box that we allow ourselves to be put into easily.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think there's a lot of boxes we put ourselves into <laughs> very easily, very kind of. Um, it's easy to sort of. Put stuff off because we're not in the right place. Like, we don't have the perfect room with the best view. We don't have the perfect notebook to start writing the novel. We don't have a MacBook, so we can't sit in a cafe and write or. Yeah, not allowed. You
0: know, yeah, MacBooks yeah. only. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I have a, I know I don't have a MacBook. I, I say
1: that because I've got like a gaming computer with a snake on the back that my husband bought for me. So I don't have anything to- that fancy. sounds
0: very much like someone <laughs> buying you something that was for his needs and yeah. not yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or he just bought, yeah, there it is, there, the Venom. Yeah. It's called Venom. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, so I think we can get into that trap that that unless we have the perfect outfit or we're not in the right job yet, so we can't start that thing. Um, and in talking to lots of people with my podcast, what I've and I'd love to know your perspective on this too, that... Um, Creativity doesn't have to be, or a creative endeavor doesn't have to be the be all and end all. It doesn't Mm. have to be your job. It doesn't Mm. have to be perfect and beret wearing, you know, sitting in a cafe in Paris, writing the novel that you've dreamed about. It can literally just be that you might love cooking and you try a new recipe one day, or you do it like in like snatches of time around when your kid's napping or, you know, after work or on a weekend, like you just start something and just see what happens, you know? Yeah,
0: just in this moment of you explaining that to me, I thought I feel like the notion of I've made it. Morgan just did air quotes again. Um, <laughs> but that notion of made it I think needs to die. Just like, oh, you, you'll know you've made it when. Oh, that's so silly. Like, just no, like no. I know I've made it when I – when I made it, and I'll and I'll make it again tomorrow.
1: That's that's what I loved about Fergal Quigley's interview. Exactly yeah. that. It was never about the end product. It's about the making of the thing. It's never about yeah. that. Oh, it, it's yeah,
0: yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's such a great thing. Yeah, because
1: um, I think as well, you, you've got to, as I have learned, because I'm terrible at keeping on going with things, and I often start things and then let them die. Um, and sometimes that upsets people because I get really enthusiastic. So I get bring people along on the journey and then they like, Oh, I get so disappointed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm really terrible at this. So I will, I will get, if I get into a thing, it's like, Oh, I'm going to get into this game. You know, two weeks later, I've spent all this money on all the things that you need to play the game. And then six months later, I'm like, ah oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Not yeah. so into it.
0: Starting too many hobbies.
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Cause I, I had the same, I'm, I'm not very good with lots of hobbies because I, I do like I start projects but I'm not, I've never been one to be like starting knitting or those sorts of things um, with hobbies. And I've got friends who, there's a little person and a dog that <laughs> have arrived It's a professional in this house. Um, yeah, but I, I do think that it's a great thing, I spoke to a girl called Angela Wotherspoon well, on my show and she had a, such a great perspective on it. She said, stop worrying or putting yourself down for the fact that you're someone that likes to start new things and doesn't even, doesn't always go with them. She said, that is a great skill to have. It means you're interested in life and you're trying to figure out what it is that you love and, and that's who you are. You can't kind of fight that. If you're someone whose brain just likes to like dabble in little things all the time and see which bit you love and which bit sticks and which bit doesn't. Well, isn't that great? Cause there's plenty <laughs> of people out there that just do one thing, mm. never venture outside their comfort zone and you know, life is about trying new things. So if you're someone that does that, embrace it. I reckon. Maybe you just have to be okay with not always being an expert at everything. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> and never do it, maybe anything. you do not have to. Yeah, I know. Saying that, so, saying that. So,
0: so, wait, yes, bold. Uh, oh, maybe
1: not. <laughs> oh, probably. I don't know. Yeah, saying that, I started pottery this week, which was very exciting. <laughs> I just decided. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. I've done one class so far. I made a pot. A pinch pot. I'm really bad at it. All I did was talk to everybody. I was more fat. James came home. I came home and James asked me what I enjoyed about the class. And I said, well, this person's yeah. going through a divorce <laughs> and this person works in engineering. And the lady that's the pottery teacher, has, you know, she's had the studio for 25 years. And he's like, yeah, but what did you let out pottery? And I said, oh, no, I made a bowl. That was pretty yeah. bad.
0: <laughs> if, if, the ve- if the vehicle through which you do perhaps what? I know. Arguably, you could say, "Well, I just like heaps of people and being interested in finding out stuff about them." Yeah. If you if you go th- if you go through life and you just find a hundred and one ways to do that, that's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, this is the real reason for a podcast. It's just yeah. you just feel better about your. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. <laughs> Isn't it that really?
0: <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Um, oh, just so, um, my podcast is called Just Make the Thing and you can find it on iTunes Um. or at our website, planetbroadcasting.com. There's lots of great shows there. Uh, if you're someone who loves comic books and TV shows and video games, or if you're someone like me who's interested in people, um, there's lots of kind of cool podcasts on there for those things.
0: Including Serious Issues, previous guests of the podcast, Javon. Coons yes. and Andrew Levins and also hey Fam, previous yes. guest of the podcast, Andrew Levins. Oh,
1: it's such a great show. Exactly. Um, and there's also another cool one called Human Ordinary, which is kind of human interest stories um, by a guy called Sam Loy. That's really cool. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Claire Twenty or um, on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. And, um, was,
0: that, was that a no-brainer when you joined Twitter? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. actually.
1: I didn't ask James though, <laughs> how to do it. and it's funny because I haven't taken his name in real life. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But he's
1: like, but you are like take my if I take my Sunday name for shameless yeah, plugging, and I'm well like, well yeah, done, yeah. I certainly will.
0: Hey, it's keeping on brand, right?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So and uh, and that's kind of it, I guess. But um, thanks for having me on.
0: It's been fun. It's been so fun.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. No worries.